Hey, this is Sammy Flores. I'm the pastor at Coin Church in Chino, California, and this is our podcast. I'm so grateful you're tuning in. I hope this encourages you and calls you to more because you were made for more. Here's our latest message. Jesus, we, uh, we honor your word. We honor it, and uh, it, it is, it's piercing to our soul, Father, the, the, the word of God. And uh, God, we don't worship this Bible, we worship you. Uh, but Father, you have, uh, you have uh, divinely spoken peace and direction and guidance and command through this, this scripture. And so we honor your word this morning, and we ask, Lord, that this word would, it would pierce through soul, uh, right to soul, God. And it would speak um, in ways, Lord, that my words might not be able to articulate, Father. So I ask, God, that it really wouldn't even be my words, but it would be yours. And um, we, uh, we ask, God, that you would be here now, as we know you are. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, so we've been going through the book of 1 John. We've been diving into the scripture, trying to study a little bit more in depth. And the last couple of weeks, at least last week, what we talked about was being a child of God and how unique and how specific that is when, when, it, when it looks like living here on this earth. And we've talked about like the kingdom of heaven and then the kingdom of the world. And not to be confused, we are to love the people in this world, but we're not to, as John would say, love the world, meaning the things of the world and the, the, the fleshly things and the things that can tear us down, the things that can really devour our soul. We're not to love those things because if we love those things, then we don't love God. And so John's kind of going really deep. And I don't know if you've discovered this yet, but uh, John is trying to make a point here that there is something to say about claiming Christ's likeness or being a follower of Jesus, being a Christian, being a disciple, being an apprentice, however you see fit in your mind to kind of say, however you claim Christ. He's, he's trying to make a point that there needs to be evidence in that. That something happens like this 180 turn to, like something shifts drastically in your soul or else something should. And if not, then hey, we have to look more in depth and that's between you and God and the scripture says to work out your salvation between you and God. And so the scripture, like 1 John, like he, he's just, he's not holding back any punches. And he's talked about so many different things that God is light. And so if God is light, then, then the enemy and Satan and the dragon of our soul is, is darkness. And so we have to pay close attention. But last week, we, we talked about being a child of God, that there is significance to that language, divinely, what that looks like spiritually in our soul. And then in verse 10, he says, we must love our brother and sister. And I've mentioned this passive scripture so many times. We talked about it last week. But it's like something to really consider. And I don't know kind of where you're at in the journey of following Jesus. I have no idea unless I've met with you and talked with you and we've got coffee, which I love to do and hear your story. Wherever you find yourself on the journey, sometimes we follow Jesus because it's exciting and there's emotion behind it. And it's almost like he gives us a sense of, man, like I, I, I can get something out of this God if I follow him. Or maybe, I don't know, maybe you've been like scared into following Jesus and it's like, hey, if you didn't accept Jesus today, you're going to hell and good luck with that, right? But whatever decision you've come across and why you've chose to follow Jesus, what happens along the journey is that belief should shift. 
there is belief within us in how we live our life. Jesus showed us how to live our life and why to live. He is the way, the truth, and the life, how we are to do this. And so one of the things John says as a disciple of Jesus is he says, man, if you claim to love God but hate your brother or sister, you, you don't even, he says you don't even know God. It's like, oh, man, like, ah, I got I to gotta work through that one, you know? So now we're going to dive into uh, what, what that looks like. So if you want to grab your Bible, if you have it, we're going to have it on the screen. We're in 1 John, and we're in chapter 3, starting at verse 11, and we're going to read all the way to 24. And before we go, go into that, you know, I, I have this thought as we step into this passive scripture, like, I've always thought it interesting um, of those that are like really non-anxious, they're followers of Jesus, and they've, they've done a lot of due diligence on like the practices of faith, of the dis- disciplines of faith. They, they, they know how to give to the needy. They know how to give to the poor. They know how to not allow mammon or money to be kind of what they do and why they do whatever it is. They're not so focused on self, right, but they're focused on others, and they follow the command of Jesus. And some, I have discovered, it's like they've been walking with Jesus for a while. And I don't know if you've ever discovered this type of person. Uh, I would say there's maybe only a handful of people that I really know that's like, when you're around them, they're just non-anxious. It's like, I'm good, man. Nothing worries me. Nothing stresses me out. The news doesn't freak me out. And, um, but what they really, if you really pay attention to where they're at, like love just like oozes out of them. And we'll discover not in a, in to, like not in a, I'm just going to tolerate you type of love, but it's deeper than that. But it's just like they're a person of love. They're a person of peace. I mean, I don't know if you've ever discovered somebody like that. And I find it really, really bizarre and interesting that in the most crazy of circumstances, they kind of shine the brightest when it comes to love. When, when there's like hate going back and forth or this party or that party or this issue going on in the world or that, and it's like they just don't even engage in that. And if they did, it's always within the framework of love. And like their answers kind of frustrate you because you want them to be against the other. I don't know if you discovered somebody like that. And I find that that type of individual has what I would call supernatural love. And that's what I want to talk to you today about, is like this overwhelming, all-consuming love that's found in the person of Jesus, found in the Godhead, in the Trinity, of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and what oozes out of their life, the way they live their life is in love. And it's just like all over them. Every time you talk, it's like, I'm like, man, how do I get that? How do I become that type of person? Jesus makes that very evident that that is what he's after when you read the Gospels, when you look at his life. And I would say that type of love is only possible through this sort of supernatural love. So let's read the passage of Scripture in light of that kind of title. Verse 11 says, For this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. If you were in the Old Testament course this past Thursday, we talked about Cain, right? This like person who brings out this 
this nasty generational curse of like evil and disobedience and thus murder. And why did he murder? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is, this is John's language, taking it from Jesus. If anyone hates a brother or sister is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in them. It's not within them. This is how we know what love is then. Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for others, our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need and has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Really practical, right? And then here it is. Like, I love this one. Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with action and in truth. That whole, you know... Show me, you know, you can't just say you love me. you got to show me your action, right? Like actions speak louder than words. It's kind of what he's after here. This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts, and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God, and we receive from him anything we ask because we, what, keep his commands and do what? pleases him and this is his command here it is you want to know what the command of jesus is to believe in the son of jesus of son of of his son jesus and to love one another as he commanded us that's the command of god love his son christ and love one another this one who keeps god's commands lives in him and he in them and this is how we know that he lives in us we know it by the spirit that he gave us. So I want to sort of break this down. I'm not going to go crazy in depth in this because I want to really hit what John's trying to say here. And again, it's this, this idea of like how do you love people and how do you love them well despite all of the frustrations and all of the annoyances and all of the stuff going on around us. How, how is it that we do that? And supernatural love, again, it's, it's only possible if you follow the teachings of Jesus through his spirit as he teaches you how to love one another. And it's to love your neighbor as yourself, right? Doesn't Jesus say that? It's to forgive and to love. And then even more in depth, to love your enemy. Like that one, that's like even harder. How do I love my enemy if I can't even stand them? How do I show them this love? Again, it goes back to having to be supernatural. It requires this type of love. This is how people will know that you're a child of God, by the way. By your love for people, by your love for one another, how we interact in society, how we interact when we go to work, how we interact when we're with our family. How do you interact when it's just you and your wife or your spouse and the children, maybe you're asleep or the children are there? Like, are you loving well there? It's like, ah, I don't know. But what about... Like, we should love those people. That's, like, easy. It's, like, easy to love Kelly. It's easy to love Grandma Liz. But what about the people that you, like, don't really want to love? <laughs> they, like, really frustrate you and bother you and their demeanor. Maybe they smell weird or, you know, maybe you know that they're, like, a Republican or you know they're a Democrat, you know, or 
You know that they're for this or for that, and it's just like, oh, I can't even just look at you. Well, we have to be careful if we care about the scripture, if we care about the gospel, if we care about the teachings of Jesus. He said not to do such a thing. He said to love. And that love says something. That love goes places. That love does something, not only to us, but to the people around us. So we then have a massive dilemma then, don't we, in our day and age. Like, I love that John brings this up. He brings up love multiple times. It's like the whole aspect of like the gospel, this, this, this book. But we're going to, like, we could talk about this every single week and still be like, man, we're like messing up. We got to go back to the drawing board and talk about love again. So here's the dilemma. And I'm going to go there, but, but, but bear with me. For those who are apolitical, this isn't relevant to you, right? For those who are apolitical. However, much of our debate and hate for each other could, it's possible if we're just trying to find like a common ground, it could stem from one of these issues. Politics. Ah, I can't stand it. I don't even like bringing that word up on the pulpit. But Jesus showed us, he informed us how to maneuver within society, and so politics does inform that, doesn't it? Or at least some type of aspect of that. Here's what Dallas Willard said, okay? A theologian from um, Fuller Seminary has passed away now, has wrote m- multiple books. I would encourage you to dive into him. He said this, a majority of our political discussions today amount to little more than two groups standing in condemnation of one another. How can I condemn you more? How can I look down on you more? How can I speak down to you because your way is not my way and my way is the best way? We have, and even in the church, learned how to condemn others, haven't we? <laughs> we've, we've learned how to do that. And, and then on the premise of our beliefs, we do that in church. So if you don't like the political stuff and that stuff bothers you, then like, okay, let's talk about the church world then. Do you do that or do I do, do that or do we do that? Like, Condemn each other based off what you believe and based off what I believe. Now, it's a whole other conversation when you are a follower of Jesus, when you are a disciple. But as you are going throughout your journey, it is not my job to condemn you. Like, that's not my, that's the spirit of the living God's job to do that. But we, we like get this part really confused in the church world. We think we can condemn and, and speak down based off our beliefs. Something like, since you don't believe this way, you're condemned. Since you're doing these things, you're condemned. Now again, we talk about this, we we haven't brought this language up a a lot, but it's like, you have to have equity with somebody before you kinda call them out, right? It's like, imagine if we're like in church and we're hanging out and I see you just like out in the lobby and we don't ever get coffee and we don't ever talk, but I see you on Instagram and I know what you post and I see your stories, you know? I tell Kelly sometimes, I'm like, I just need to get rid of social media because I have these like preconceived ideas from people because of what they post about. I'm like, ah, maybe I just need to throw the IG away. But that's a whole other point. What if like that happened and I see some of the stuff and then I see you in the lobby, it's like, hey man, I gotta pull you aside. Do you know that you're a sinner? <laughs> like, come on, man. Like, I screenshotted this. <laughs> and this, this is not of God, man. So let, let me show you in 1 Timothy. Let me show you in the scriptures where you're wrong and where I'm right. And like, 
that actually could, it would be right to do if, if it was really bad. I don't know. If it was really, really bad, right, and the belief wasn't matching up to the scripture and they're claiming Christ-likeness, however, wouldn't it not be received? If I didn't know you very well, I mean, maybe if I'm pastor and you're, you're like more traditional and you like actually listen to what pastors say, but like maybe you're just like, dude, what the heck is wrong with you, man, trying to tell me how to live my life? And what happens in that transaction is there is no love. You never knew who I was. You didn't know how I thought, how I processed. You didn't know me as a friend or as a pastor. I just condemned you. And we do that way too much in the church world, way too much in the church community, way too much on social media. So we got to be careful of that. What I'm not saying, though, is that we shouldn't call you. We literally say you're called to more. Like Thomas, wherever he's at, I loved it. Like he got like a tattoo of it on his arm, called to more. And I'm like, I got to get that too, man. I got to remind myself, like, Jesus is always calling us to more. All the time. So it's like, if you're not listening to Jesus or reading his word, but you're following Jesus or claiming Christ's likeness, and you're not being called to more, then maybe I ought to call you to more in a loving way. But that gets like really good luck with that. You have to have equity. There needs to be love. You can still do it in love. Now, what does the way of Jesus look like in light of your enemy or in light of the person that like you're frustrated with or people whom you disagree with? Verse 18, dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with action and in truth. Jesus teaches and demonstrates that we can disagree. Watch this. We can disagree and not condemn. Jesus showed us that. That it is actually possible to still love people and not send them to hell, like so to speak. You know what I'm saying? And I guess the perfect example, there's many examples. I'll just give you the woman caught in adultery in John 4, right? Like what did Jesus do? Like we don't have to go through the whole passage of scripture, but a woman caught in adultery from the law, if she was caught in adultery, there are to stone her. And, and that was it, because she was, like, literally breaking the law. And so that happens to Jesus, and he's like, hey, whoever hasn't sinned, go ahead and throw the first stone. And then it's him and her. And you know what he tells her? As she's naked and terrified and afraid, he says, where are your accusers? Right? So he's not condemning her, but you know what he does say? He says, hey, go and sin no more. So we got to be careful with how we do that. I can't just, at least for me, I don't want anyone to just tolerate my sin. Do you know what I'm saying here? I don't want anyone to just be like, oh, bro, I love you, man, you know, but I'm like really messed up all over the place, and no one's calling me to more, and no one's speaking to me, and no one's taking me out to coffee and loving me, talking me through these things. Like, I don't want that. I need someone to do that, but I need you to know me first. I need you to care about me. I need to sense that. So we can do that really wrong in the church world, and I think we do it really wrong often. So... Therefore, um, therefore, in disagreement and discord, we follow Christ's example, watch, of seeking peace, of being slow to anger and quick to listen. What if we just did that well? Then you may say, well, this is Dallas Willard. Then you may say, well, we can't be tolerant of the wrong that my neighbor is doing or the wrong that is taking place in our society, and you would have a great point, right? You see what I'm going here? You can't just tolerate, like, evil wickedness. So Dallas Willard said this on disagreeing. Tolerance is a twofold notion for Christ followers. The first aspect deals with a genuine interest in the truth. 
and it requires an authentic willingness and ability to engage differing points of view, meaning when I'm talking to you, right, are you willing to hear me out, even though your point might not mesh with my point? The second aspect involves, and this one's even bigger, it involves something that we often miss a lot, and it's moral character, or just, let's just say character, the character of Jesus. So if I'm in disagreement with you, and you're my brother in the Lord, and there's a point that I just don't agree with you, it is not my job to tell you you're wrong. Are you hearing me? Especially when it's not fully biblical, or we can't hash it out biblically, and we can do that all day, but like, if I'm genuinely listening to, that's what Dallas is saying, there's a two-fold perspective. I'm going to genuinely listen. I'm going to be slow to anger. I'm going to be quick to, li- I'm just going to listen to what you got to say. But the second involves something that is massive, and it's having character. Meaning, we must become the kinds of people who can develop beneficial relationships and hold meaningful conversations with those who maintain views that are different or opposed to our own. Like, can you do that? If not, you're just going to have a bunch of friends that think like you. And I don't know about you, but I don't want that. I actually want to be friends with people that disagree with me. I actually want to sit down and have, like, intellectual conversation where we're challenging each other in a safe space where there's no judgment or condemnation. But I'm like, I'm really wanting to know where you're coming from. And I would, I would argue if the follower of Jesus in this society in 2022, if, if Brendan Davila, right, as a high school teacher, doesn't know how to operate in this, he spoke on this love, right? How would he ever reach somebody? How would he ever even provoke a youth, a student, to at least listen to what he has to say or hear the word or respond in love, or show love. You can't even get to that unless you're like literally willing to just, hey man, let me hear you out. I really genuinely want to know. Tell me your story. How did you get to that conclusion? But then the second is character, not thinking you have to one-up that person. You're just a non-anxious presence, and you're you're wanting to have a relationship with the individual, and character is, is sort of coming out. But We're going to hit on this in a moment, but what's the first thing of the fruit of the Spirit? What is it, church? Hopefully you know. Love. Love. (laughs) That's the first thing of the fruit of the Spirit is love. So we must be able to value and love people as they are, whether or not we agree with their views or choices. Are you hearing, like, what the Word is saying? This isn't me. This is John. And that requires What does it require? Supernatural love. It requires supernatural love that I would argue can only come from Christ and that changes our character. There must be a shift. There must be a change. And then verse 12, let's go into this. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. And then in verse 16, this is how we know what love is. Christ laid down his life for us. So I want to show you all of the different distinctions and comparatives right here, okay? John is showing us some very crazy uh, contrasts here. So he writes of hatred and love. He writes of life and death. And he writes of murder and self-sacrifice in verse 12 to 16. Supernatural love then is showing love, showing love, 
when you should hate or when you feel like you should hate, okay? Showing love when it's really hard to do so. It's giving life instead of bringing death. It's sacrificing your life instead of taking someone else's life. So we ought to be careful not to fall under the way of Cain. Watch this. This is really good. The way of Cain is jealousy, hatred, and murder. Okay? Those three things. Jealousy, hatred, and murder if you're taking notes. Jealousy, hatred, and murder. And it's a nasty and even natural, terrible sequence. First, you're jealous of the person. Oh, man. They got what I don't have. I don't know, like, oh, they're, like, really buff, right? Man, <laughs> right? I, I don't know, like, maybe it's just external at that point. And then the jealousy, if, if you don't check it, will turn into hatred. And then every time you see them, like, gosh, I can't stand this person. Like, looks so buff all the time. Like, triceps are popping out. I don't know, I'm, that's always my analogy for some reason. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, then it's hatred. And then if you don't check that and... I don't think we get there, but Jesus makes a point of this. If we get there to hatred, the next sequence is killing them then. And for one second, let's just not think we wouldn't go there. It's all over our world, right? So it's really hard to love people when we're jealous of them. Then we start hating them. Then we wish they were dead. And maybe we don't take it that far, right? But watch what Jesus said. He said, you have heard in Matthew, you've heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder. To the Israelites, Moses said this, you shall not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, Jesus the Messiah says, anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. It's like, good luck with that. Have you ever got angry with someone? I know I have. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't meet up to then this command. So like in Jesus' mind with his command, you see what he's trying to do? He's trying to make it really difficult. Like everyone gets angry, but I want to be the type of person where that's the last thing that I do. But Jesus is saying in your anger towards your brother or sister, you now have committed murder. And now you will be judged on that. Like how do we, how do, we do this then? And that's why we need grace, and that's why we need redemption, and that's why we're a child of God, to be forgiven and to show love as we move forward. But he's making it really known, isn't he? So Cain, watch this, was the prototype of the world, meaning the ugliest qualities of the world were displayed in him, in Cain. Adam, Eve, they have a child, Cain and Abel, the first generation within the fall of humanity. What came from Cain are the generations of a certain people, you and I, or of his offspring, and what? What is that again? This is, this is the ramification of Cain. Jealousy, hatred, and murder. Do you see that? Like that, that has passed down all through generations, starting with Cain. Adam and Eve, they fell. They disobeyed God. And then Cain, their offspring, Cain, jealousy, Hatred and murder is now the offspring of their generations to come. So we're not to be surprised if the world hates the people of God. What I'm trying to say here is that Cain is the perfect example of the world. Cain is the prototype of the world. 
You guys with me there? I know this is like, wait, like Cain equals the world. That's kind of, and, and in the world is jealousy, hatred, and death. Watch this, John 15. If the world hates you, this is the world now. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. Jesus is saying this. And if you belong to the world, it would love you as its own, as it is. You do not belong to the world. Church, if you're a follower of Jesus, you don't belong to the world. It's like, it's in the word of God. I'm not manufacturing it. I'm not taking a word out. It's like, it's right there. Jesus made it really clear. John's making it really clear. Paul makes it, all of the disciples make it really clear. If the world hates you, keep in mind it hated me first, Jesus said. And then he says, but I've chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. So, what is the shift for the church, namely the people of God, you and I, specifically those who call themselves disciple, apprentice, follower of Jesus, or little Christ? What does this really mean for us? If the world hates, then what? I must love. Like, wrestle with that, please, this week. If the world hates, because it does, man, and it's nasty, and it's gruesome, and it's wicked, and it's evil. If the love hates, if ugh, the love hates, if the world hates then I, as a follower of Jesus, must love. And we know, verse 14, that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in them. Watch this. If hate brings death, then what does love bring? John says, love brings life. So I don't want to be the type of person that brings death on other people because of my hatred towards them. I want to be the type of person, when I walk in the room, I bring life. I don't know if you've ever thought of it that way, that whatever rooms you walk into, because we walk into a lot of rooms. It could be family, it could be work, it could be interviews, it could be hostile environments. When you walk into that room, do you know that you have the spirit of the living God within you? And in that, do you know that what should happen when you walk in the room is love invades every crevice of death in the room. And that should be on the mind and the child of God in mission. We are all on mission. You are not exempt from that just because you're not speaking up here. Come on, who was that? Was that Maggie? <laughs> okay, so I want to be a person that brings life, don't you? That brings hope, that brings meaning, that brings aim to a higher good, that is Christ. And this can only come if I properly receive his love, by the way, which I have and now own that love and give it freely to others for no good reason, by the way. Giving it freely to others for no good reason, not because you like me too or you're good looking, not because I can get something out of you. No, I'm going to love you just because I want to love you because God says to. So let me rant really quick on love, okay? And then we're almost done. Great stress is laid in the New Testament on love, okay? I'm not just trying to make it a fluffy sermon of love, but let me go where the scripture goes. I want to prove this to you. As the laid out distinguishing Christian virtue is love. Now watch this. The fruit, the first fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5.22 says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, but the first is love, 
The sign of the reality of faith in you and I, Galatians 5, 6. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. Neither rank. You don't have a rank in the kingdom. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through what? Love. And the greatest of the three abiding graces, which never ends, by the way, and without love we are nothing, is this. 1 Corinthians 13, 2 through 3 says, If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. This is the word of God. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. So I am nothing without love, and I gain nothing without love. 1 Corinthians 13, 8, love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. But guess what doesn't? Love. It stands forever. Why? Because God is love. Right? John's making that really clear all throughout the scriptures. Last one, 1 Corinthians 13, 13. And now these three remain. Have you heard this one? Faith, hope, and love. And and by the way, church, Sammy, by the way, the greatest of these is love. So as a follower, disciple, apprentice of Jesus, I ought to be a person of love. And again, it's really easy to love Brandon and Maddie. That's easy. It's easy to love Grandma Liz and Uncle Shit. That's easy. It's easy to love these, these people up here, but what about the ones that are, they're hard to love? <laughs> That's where I pray your mind goes. Not, not in, the, not in the, the church, although there's discord here. That's between you and God. But like, what about those that are hard to love? Those are the ones Jesus is saying, man, I need you to love these people. But we're not talking about, <laughs> we're, 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 we're hitting on that it's the clear vocabulary in John. I want to just point this out and we're done. It's a clear vocabulary of John that hatred, darkness, death belong together. They're interconnected in this passage in all of 1 John. Hatred, darkness, death, interconnected, right? And also in John's vocabulary, this is what's connected. Love, light, and life belong together. They're interconnected. Love, light, and life. And so my question is to all of us, how are we doing with this? Like, I ask myself this question, how am I doing with this? So the plea in this passage for us to wrestle with is found in verse 18. Again, let us not love with our words or speech, but with actions and in truth. So here's my prayer for our church, for you specifically. You're not going to like it, but I really do pray this, honestly. As I've matured in Christ, and i got a long ways to go, man, I've learned this one thing. That really isn't very well taught in the Western world. But it's that you will suffer. And and I don't know if it's just not a popular thing to preach about or teach about. But like we're going to suffer, guys. Jesus said like, take heart. I've overcome the entirety of the world. When you die, you have assurance with me in eternity. But I need you to know something, Jesus said. You're going to have trouble here. I'm not a genie in a bottle. I'm not going to make everything go away for you. In fact, the suffering will produce your character. And so I know it's a little shift, but you need to know this as a follower of Jesus. When it gets hard, and it will, it's hard for me right now. It gets difficult. That's when faith is tested. 
Chris and I were talking about this on the phone yesterday, like, man, our faith is being tested. What will I do when my faith is being tested? I want to come out on the other side of that up, not down. I want to come on the other side of that refined by the power of the living God that says, Sammy, you got more in you, man. Get out of the boat. Stop doing what you've done in the past. Get out of the boat. Swim to me. Leave what you have. Sacrifice everything that you possibly can and see the life that I will give you, that I've called you to. But let me reassure you of something, Peter and John. You will die. You know that's what Jesus said to his disciples? Why do we think in the Western world we're not going to die? And so, like, we combat that word, man. That has no place on this pulpit in this church. I don't know about you, but I find resonance with a suffering Jesus. So I'm going to suffer all the more. And I'm going to get good at suffering. And it's not the fun thing to do, but when I do, I will know that the, the creator of the universe is with me and I can feel his breath on me. And so any step I take, anywhere I go, I just know he's with me and I'm going to suffer and then it's going to get hard. And I know it's not a fun thing to preach about, but man, you're going to suffer. So good luck with that. You need Jesus. <laughs> so here's my prayer to you, okay? Sorry for the prayer, but I am praying this over you. I pray that as you suffer that you would put in situations this week as things get hard for you and people frustrate you, I pray that that would cause you to exercise supernatural love. In fact, I pray that you're encountered by people that frustrate the heck out of you so that you can show, you can claim, I didn't just catch this on a Sunday and it's just one ear and then out the other. No, this is who I am. I am a person of love. I am... I am an ambassador of Christ. I am an ambassador of his kingdom. So wherever I go, if you're going to tick me off, that's all right. I'm going to love you even more. That's my prayer for you this week. Honestly, man, like show love, show love, please. It's a command. Like it's, this is a command of God. And it's not the easy way to love the person who is easy. To, it's, it's very easy to do that, but it's, it's supernatural love to love those who make it difficult. What would it look like in this church if we did that, though? How would it look? You know, my favorite thing about being a pastor is, I just want to just be honest with you. When I'm, like, going through it, me and Kelly, it's like, gosh, this is hard, and I'm struggling, and I'm, like, crying in my car, and I get a text message, and someone needs to be encouraged. I love those moments, honestly. Because I wipe my tears and I remember that my worries might not be as much as other people's worries. And that it's much more easier to push other people's worries aside and worry about my own. But what did John say? Be self-sacrificing. Don't just, just do it for gain. Don't just do it so they can get some, you can get something out of them. Like, show love, man. And I, I would argue that is what has been the most transformative thing in my following of Jesus, is that he's refined that thing called love in my soul. And I pray that over you. I really do. I know that's not a fun prayer, but that's my prayer this week.